Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Are Latter-day Saints expected to keep the commandments continually? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week, we've been looking at an article that is posted on the website, fairlatterdaysaints.org. The title of the article is Mormonism and Christianity slash Grace and Works slash Impossible Gospel. It is a rebuttal to a witnessing technique that many of us as Christians use when talking to Latter-day Saints about what is required for them to receive the forgiveness of sins and ultimately celestial exaltation. Now, I've got to say, Eric, at the beginning of this show, whoever wrote this, and we don't know who it is because there's no name on it, we're assuming it's a he, that's why we've been saying his and he, This person is really engaged with what is called psychological projection. In other words, accuse your opponent of doing exactly what you are doing. We're being accused of redefining words. We're being accused of misusing various texts. And yet it's this individual that's doing exactly that, coming up with definitions that we have never heard LDS leaders use when explaining certain texts, such as in yesterday's show, Moroni 1032. Well, today, as we come to the end of this article, we're going to be looking at Doctrine and Covenants, section 25, 15 through 16. And I should probably read that passage so you understand what we're talking about. It says, Keep my commandments continually, and a crown of righteousness thou shalt receive, and except thou do this, where I am, you cannot come. And verily, verily, I say unto you that this is my voice unto all. Now, why is verse 16 important? It's important because DNC 25 is written specifically to Emma Smith, Joseph Smith's first wife. And why it's important is, is that last portion makes it clear that whatever God is saying to Emma, he's actually saying it to everybody. And of course, to everybody, the command is to keep the commandments continually. What does this author have to say about this? Proponents of the argument that the LDS scriptures teach an impossible gospel point to Doctrine and Covenants section 25 verses 15 and 16 as an example of a requirement for salvation that cannot be fulfilled by humans. God does not remember our sins after we repent, and therefore to insist that Doctrine and Covenants 25.15 shuts everyone who has ever sinned out of God's presence is to deny the power of Christ to completely redeem us from our sins. Mormons do not do so, and critics are either woefully ignorant of our teaching or extremely deceptive if they suggest that we do. Okay, I'm trying to be gracious here, Eric, but when I'm accused of being woefully ignorant of LDS teaching or extremely deceptive, and yet this author says, God does not remember our sins after we repent, who is being woefully ignorant or perhaps even deceptive? Because the God of Mormonism most certainly remembers your sins after you repent. If he didn't remember your sins after you repent, there would be no need for Doctrine and Covenants section 82, 
What does it say in section 82? Verse 7, And now verily I say unto you, I, the Lord, will not lay any sin to your charge. Go your ways and sin no more. But unto that soul who sinneth shall the former sins return, saith the Lord your God. How could your former sins return if this particular God, who's mentioned in section 82, doesn't have knowledge of your past sins? He must remember what your sins are in order to bring them back should you sin those sins again. So to say that we are woefully ignorant and that we're trying to be deceptive, again, this is the psychological projection here. We're being accused of what appears to be a problem with this individual author. But this author goes on to say that there's a short answer to Doctrine and Covenants, section 2515. What does he say under the heading of short answer? The Lord asks us to keep my commandments continually, and repentance itself is a commandment. Dozens and dozens of passages can be used to show this, but one will do. And then he cites from D&C 133, verse 16, Hearken and hear, O ye inhabitants of the earth, listen, ye elders of my church together, and hear the voice of the Lord, for he calleth upon all men, and he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Then he says, keeping the commandments continually includes continual repentance. The incredible blessing of repentance is made possible by the atonement of Christ, and it makes salvation possible for man. Did you notice the clever little twist he puts in here? Keeping the commandments continually includes continual repentance. Well, here's the contradiction. If you're continually keeping the commandments, you wouldn't need to repent. Sure, repentance is a part of Mormon doctrine. Nobody's arguing against that. Of course it is. Now, we will take issue with how they define repentance, but when he says keeping the commandments continually includes continual repentance, well, If you've been continually keeping the commandments, you wouldn't need to go on to step two, which is repenting. Repenting is basically acknowledging you didn't keep the commandments continually. Now, this might be a clever little response, but does it even make sense in light of what DNC 2515 is trying to get across? He goes on to say that there is a longer answer He says the broader context of LDS soteriology, and he says, Consider 1 Timothy 6, 11-12, where Paul commanded Timothy and apparently all followers of God the following. Verse 11, But thou, O, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Verse 12, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And then he goes on to add verses 13 and 14. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm wondering, by mentioning these verses, are we supposed to stand here in shock? never knowing that Paul said this? Of course Paul talks about keeping commandments. He talks about fleeing unrighteousness. He talks about living godly lives. We have stressed that over and over again when we're sharing our faith with Latter-day Saints. We are not denying that we are supposed to live a holy life. It's just that living that holy life has no bearing on our justification. 
In LDS soteriology, it most certainly has everything to do with your justification. This is the problem that we have with how these verses in Mormon scriptures are being explained by LDS leadership. Again, I think he, he raises a straw man. We're not arguing against holiness living. We're not arguing against keeping commandments. It's just keeping the commandments, I have to stress, has no bearing on our justification which comes by faith. But what's fascinating in this section, Eric, is this author basically admits what we've been challenging Latter-day Saints with all along when he says repentance in LDS doctrine is an act of forsaking past sin, being cleansed from its effects by the power of the Holy Ghost and being fully reconciled again with God. Repentance completely restores an individual's worthiness and relationship with God. And then he cites Doctrine and Covenants 5842. He says, the Lord explains that he who has repented of his sins, the same is forgiven, and I, the Lord, remember them no more. And then he says, this means that from the Lord's perspective, as long as we are continually repenting and continually striving to keep God's commandments, we will inherit a crown of righteousness. Remember I mentioned how both traditions believe in a doctrine of repentance. It's how that word is defined. Let me cite to you from the Doctrine and Covenants student manual, Religion 324 and 325. This came out in 2001, and I'm citing from page 120. Repentance, however, requires that we forsake and turn completely from our sins and confess them. Now, this author seems to understand that. Because he says repentance in LDS doctrine is an act of forsaking past sin. Forsaking. Now, does this word all of a sudden take on a new definition? Does that mean that in order to have true repentance, we can go back to our sins and we can repeat those sins that we've allegedly repented of? It doesn't seem so if you're going to also believe section 82, verse 7 that Eric just read earlier. But we know that LDS leaders have defined repentance as a complete forsaking of sin, never repeating the sin again. So in essence, you could say, if that's true, a Latter-day Saint can only truly repent of a sin one time. Because if they repeat the sin they never were repentant in the first place. So I think this person, while trying to make it sound like we don't know what we're talking about, he's actually, again, making our case. We have said those very things when talking to Latter-day Saints. Bill, 10th President Joseph Fielding Smith said this in a church manual, Teachings of the Presence of the Church, Joseph Fielding Smith. This is from 2013 on page 237. Through obedience to those commandments which are set forth in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and by continuance therein, we shall receive immortality, glory, eternal life, and dwell in the presence of God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ, where we shall truly know them. So he uses the word continuance. That's similar to the word that's used in Doctrines and Covenants 25.15. Certainly, Latter-day Saints are supposed to be keeping the commandments. I don't know how many citations we have to give from LDS leaders that have made that so very clear. And again, the question becomes, how many commandments must they keep? How often must they keep them? Now, this individual doesn't think that you have to keep them continually, unless, of course, you're going to repent afterwards, because that's keeping the commandments continually. Think through that, folks. Does that really make sense to you? 
Because as I mentioned earlier, the only reason a Latter-day Saint has to repent of his sins is when he has not kept the commandments continually. And that's what Doctrine and Covenants 2515 is saying. There is one other citation I'd like to give, Bill. This is from Spencer W. Kimball, the 12th president of the church. In a church manual, Teachings of the Presence of the Church, Spencer W. Kimball, from 2006, page 8. He says, there are many members of the church who are lax and careless and who continually procrastinate. They live the gospel casually, but not devoutly. They have complied with some requirements, but are not valiant. They do no major crime, but merely fail to do the things required. Things like paying tithing, living the word of wisdom, having family prayers, fasting, attending meetings, serving. And then you have Kimball, who also said, trying is not sufficient, nor is repentance complete when one merely tries to abandon sin. Again, as this individual points out, if you're going to say that repentance is still keeping the commandments, then you have to explain what Spencer Kimball was saying. Nor is repentance complete when one merely tries to abandon sin. The whole reason you're repenting is because you didn't abandon the sin. So I would think that Spencer Kimball would probably have have a bone to pick with this individual's understanding of DNC 2515, as we have a bone to pick with this rebuttal that is found on the FairLatterdaySaint.org website. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism.